MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Medical examiner's office. Hi there. Um, I'm calling because I'm trying to track down some information about my mother's partner who died in 1982. My mom has been waiting 37 years to say goodbye to Billy. I guess my question is, she they they called her to identify the body. She came down back in the summer of 1982. My mom says after she went to identify Billy's body. She learned that without her permission, he'd been sent to a cemetery where people are buried in mass graves by the city. And they said, oh, we sent him to a potter's field. She never knew where. So I'm on the phone with the office of the chief medical examiner here in New York. Under what circumstances would a body be sent to a potter's field from you guys? If we were unable to contact any family members or friends or if no one came forward to make arrangements for a person or if we did reach someone and they made the request to have the person buried at the city cemetery on Hart Island. Hart Island. So Hart Island is the the potter's field for the city of New York. That's correct. According to the medical examiner's office, Billy has to be buried on Hart Island. The only problem is... When I searched the city's Hart Island database, Heitzman, nothing. William Heitzman, nothing. There is no William Heitzman. But then, What's going on? What? It's the Hart Island lookup service. Look. Heitman, William, 37 years old, date of death June 15th, 1982, at Cabrini Medical Center. He's buried at plot number 136. I just fucking found Billy. Oh! <laughs> Heitman. There's no Z. And that's why we haven't been able to find him this whole time. Oh my <laughs> god. This whole thing was just a misspelling? I fucking found Billy. Billy. 
Today on the show, Heart Island. From Crime Town, I'm Io Tillett Wright, and this is the Ballad of Billy Balls. I got the number of the potter's field, and on the other end, it was the grave diggers. And I says, where is the body of William Heitzman? And they laughed. They laughed. I remember just the raw feeling of the fucking pain of the grief. And I would like to not remember that feeling because the only thing that stopped it was you being born. All right. Chapter 11. There's someone under this ground. from the bright, dazzling lights of Times Square and the New York City skyline lies one of America's darkest secrets. Almost one million people buried here since the 1800s on just over 100 acres. Potter's Field on Hart Island is a small patch of land in the easternmost part of the Bronx. Can you describe physically what Hart Island looks and feels and sounds like? Oh, it's it's the least developed part of New York City, right? So it's truly this rural landscape. Melinda Hunt is an artist and the founding director of the Heart Island Project, a nonprofit working to catalog and tell the stories of the people buried there. She spent a lot of time on the island. There aren't any markers, so it doesn't feel like what we call a traditional cemetery, a private cemetery, right? Because there aren't all these markers. So it's just, it's a bird sanctuary. There's herds of deer. There's these red raccoons. There's just all this wildlife there because people aren't there very much. And you're out in the Long Island Sound, sailboats going by, and it's just this really meaningful place because so many people are buried there. It's actually the country's largest natural burial ground and is a very sustainable ecological system of burials, except that it's managed by the penal system, which isn't very interested in ecology. Hart Island is run by the Department of Correction, the agency best known for overseeing the city's prisons. Over the years, it was home to a missile base, an insane asylum, and a tuberculosis hospital. But by 1982, the island only housed abandoned buildings and dead bodies. So when a body leaves a hospital and goes to Hart Island, who buries it? How, is, how does it get there? What is the process of entry for a Billy? The body is put in a pine box at the morgue and loaded into a refrigerator truck. 
and driven to Heart Island. And the moment that vehicle drives onto Heart Island, all of those bodies become property of the Department of Correction. And so they drive to the gravesite, and a bus of prisoners arrives at the gravesite. They dig these gigantic trenches where you put people in an organized trench. It's a grid. So that's how it's done. Inmates from Rikers Island, a nearby jail, dig the trenches and bury the bodies. I was in five months in Hot Island, and I buried well over 700 bodies. And that's not even, you know, going to save babies. This is a former Rikers inmate who Melinda interviewed for a documentary she made called Heart Island is an American Cemetery. We were like uh, the elite crew. And there would be people that would get on that, you know, on that detail and they would show up one day and they would quit or just say they couldn't do it, you know, because it wasn't so easy, you know. It took, it took a lot of, you know... I mean, they were dead people. (laughs) It's inherently shameful to have prisoners burying the dead. Melinda says that because the Department of Correction, or DOC, is in charge of Heart Island, there's a shroud of shame around it and the people buried there. That's the purpose of the penal system. It's a deterrent based on shame. And so the shame creates um, stigma. You can't celebrate a life if it's tainted. You're not going to go out and say, oh, this person's such a great person, and yeah, they were buried by the DOC. It just, those two things don't go together. Let's say you're in the position of my mother. You are the long-term life partner, but not legally recognized life partner of someone. Can you walk us through the process of what would have happened and, like, kind of what she would have encountered? Um, Well, if she went to identify, she was providing a service to the city and then told, well, but you have no further rights. And my mother would not have had the right to claim his body? No, not in 1982. Basically, the city would have tried to find a next of kin, and they probably already tried to do that when he was at Cabrini. We have a theory about how this might have gone down. I asked Billy's daughter, Amanda, about it the first time we met. She did say, which I think is a really important big clue, that the morgue did call her grandma when Billy died because Amanda is technically the next of kin. She was seven. So the grandma didn't want anything to do with it and told them to fuck off. As her legal guardian, Amanda's grandmother did have the right to make the decision that sent Billy to Hart Island. My mom, as Billy's longtime girlfriend, didn't have legal rights to him in 1982. And based on the Hart Island rules, I'm not sure she has the right to visit him today. New York City Department of Corrections, Hart Island. Hi there. Um, I'm calling Hi. because my mother is the um, long-term partner of somebody who I, we believe is buried on Hart Island, but they were not legally married. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out how I can get her onto the island to finally say goodbye to him. She can just, or you can request for visits. I, we don't ask for proof, and friends do visit. Oh, really? uh, their friends. You know, not to discredit her oh, relationship. No. God, it's so humane that's so, and so unexpected from the DOC. <laughs> to me, scheduling a visit, she was more like his wife if they were together for yeah. a long time. So I would definitely schedule her for a family or a loved one type visit where she would just go and actually stand where he or she is and grieve and, and mourn in that way. And that's just a call that you're able to make? Yeah, right, exactly. We have to trust that there was a relationship and that she would want to be close. Wow. Okay. What is your name? Mrs. Calvert. Wow. Ms. Calvert, thank you a million times over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. You guys have a great day. You too. Wow. Whoa, dude. What? <laughs> I, don't, I cannot believe what just happened. I can't believe what just happened. You realize what this means, right? This means there's no obstacle to my mother getting to say goodbye to the love of her life, which she has been waiting to do for 37 fucking years. What are we doing right now? Where are we going? We're walking to my mom's house where I'm going to tell her that I found Billy's body and that she can go visit him with no restrictions. Today is just about telling my mom that we found Billy. I'm not going to hit her with the police report or push her for any information. I just want to give her a chance to process this. It's big. Hi, Mama. I'm so happy to see you, my friend. (laughs) Look at you and your little pastel colors. Oh, God. My mom doesn't know why I'm here. I ask her to sit down. But anyway... Go ahead. Um, well, I have <clears throat> I have some some news. Yes. I found Billy's body. Oh my god. She clenches my hand as she closes her eyes and puts her head down. He's on Heart Island. I'm, like, having all kinds of... Just take it very fucking slow. Yeah. You know? You can go see him anytime you want. See? We'll visit his... Area? His grave. Okay. Okay. You're squeezing my hand really tight right now. Oh my god. You okay? Yeah. If something's open forever and nothing is ever finalized or or people don't come together to go through this ritual and the ceremony thing, something's just not right. Maybe it's kind of on a metaphysical plane. I don't know how to fucking talk about it. 
but something's been eating me and that's what it is. It's just one of those things you gotta do it, that's all. You feel like maybe it will let you and us close the chapter and start something new? Probably. I hope so. I'm ready to go. My bag is fucking packed for a few years now, you know? So. I'm sorry, what? You heard what I said. Where are you going? I'm ready to go. To where? Wherever we're gonna go next. Next, we're going to Heart Island. That's after the break. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Oh, there she is, right there. Okay. Hola. On a hazy spring morning, Austin, my fiance Rachel, and I pick my mom up at her apartment. Hey, my bud. Hi, mama. We're about to drive to the Bronx to catch a ferry to Heart Island. God, it's nice to be in her fucking car. My mom's dressed all in black with big sunglasses covering her face. She's wearing her nicest pants, high heels, and a knee-length coat. The trench coat looks good, Mom. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Wow, it's a foggy day. It's creepy how misty it just got, huh? Yeah. Wow, the mist. Oh, my God. It's total London fog. After a half-hour drive, we find ourselves at a place called City Island. The ferry to Heart Island leaves from here. Nice. It is, huh? It's basically like a suburban fishing town. It's a quaint little village vibe, but everything is covered in mist. My mom carries with her a white envelope that she plans to bring to Billy. I'm smuggling, if possible, don't worry. We walk toward a dock that's fenced off and locked. And there's a big Department of Corrections badge logo, and it says restricted area. It also has a big sign that says end. The fucking end of the line, man. Oh, God. Hold my hand, my bud. The mist is so thick, we can't see anything past the dock. A man in a city uniform approaches from the other side of the fence. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Now opening up. The fence slides open, and we walk onto an old dock with wide wooden planks. We sign in for the visit as the sky brightens. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. The fog just cleared, and the island is suddenly like, I could probably throw a baseball to it. The mist starts to rise, and we see Heart Island for the first time. A narrow strip of land covered in barren trees. How are you doing, Mom? I'm fucked up. What do you think? You know, I always look at these weird little islands and you want to swim there, you know? I don't want to swim to that place. Uh-uh. What's that? I want you off the dock with the recording device. Oh, yeah. Please. And here's... Please now. Yeah. Austin has to put his mic back in the car, but I'm wearing a wire. We walk onto an industrial-looking ferry with a crowd of about 15 other people visiting loved ones. The boat inches toward the island. I just can't believe how horror movie-esque this is. An island of dead people, 100 feet away from an island of living people, 
all abandoned and it's literally coated in mist. It's just like I imagined it. In just a few minutes, we've arrived. The dock workers secure the ferry. Dotting the shoreline are little Catholic statues. Baby angels and a Virgin Mary, all painted white, stare at us as we disembark. My mom is silent. She's flanked herself with my fiancé, Rachel, and me, and clutches both of our hands. Ahead is a big white bus with corrections stamped along the side. We gotta get on the corrections bus? The white bus. Wow. Sure, Ma. Wherever you want to sit. The island is devastating. Around us are half-crumbled brick and plaster buildings. An old boat sits rotting. A crow has nested on top of a dilapidated shed. Everything feels dead, except the animals that run wild here. We do have Canadian geese on the island. They are Canadian geese, so you see them. This is their nesting season. They get quite aggressive this time of year. The bus creeps forward. It is the north end of the island. This is the older burials on this end. Got it. The trees look like Tim Burton trees. They, like, reach out in every direction, zigzags. Rounding a corner, we come to an open field with little white concrete blocks placed every 20 feet or so, marking a rudimentary grid. 136? 136. We're here. What do you want, Mom? You want us to go with you? You want to go on your own? You want us to go with you? Okay. Right? Yeah. Mama. Oh, God. A surprisingly gentle corrections officer leads us off the bus and into a muddy field. It sits just next to a rocky beach where large pieces of trash, plastic bins, and wooden crates have washed up. You gonna be good with those heels in this soft earth? I don't know. I got your flip-flops if you need them. My mom's heels sink into the ground as the officer consults a cemetery diagram and settles on a spot. He says Billy is roughly in this area, under the patchy grass. You right there? Is it this way or that way? So he's right here. Thank you. Thank you. He says he thinks Billy's head is pointing in the direction of the water. He apologizes for our loss and ambles towards the beach, leaving us in privacy. Rachel and I clear the bottle caps and trash that the tide has washed up over Billy. My ma stares at the mulchy earth. It's so unbelievable that there's someone under this ground and you would never know it. And it's him. She takes out that white envelope she smuggled in. It's filled with seeds. We're planting some some flowers. Break them up. Okay. The seeds are, you know, you gotta break them like this. Okay. 
she bends over at the waist and starts ripping back the grass. My mom is digging with her fingers into the earth. Just more, more, more. Uh, you want to give me some more? Yeah. Just cover, cover, cover him with flowers. My mom is digging with her fingers. It looks as though she's caressing Billy's chest and she's digging right on top of where they said his chest would be. She's digging with her fingers. I feel like I could just keep going and there he's gonna be right there. The birds are nice here. The sound of the birds. You want us to leave you alone for a minute with them? Yeah, you could leave me alone for just a few minutes, maybe. I love you, Mama. Love you too. Don't go too far. We'll be right here. I've been around birds, you see. Why? Because all my life when I was growing up, my brother had birds always. Oh, really? Mostly harmless little birds, all of them. Where did he keep all those birds? Huh? <laughs> Where did he keep them? In an aviary. <laughs> Isn't that pronounced? <laughs> aviary? <laughs> Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Are you happy we came? Um. I guess it's just something that you gotta do, you know. I wish he wasn't fucking dead. But he is. He's dead. You know. Uh, this is so, so creepy. You feel like this puts an end to something, knowing where he is, having found him? And I don't know, it's just creepy. I, I don't know what to say. I, I can't talk about it. I don't know the answer to anything. In fact, I woke up today realizing that I'm completely stupid and that I don't know the answer to anything. What are you talking about? I, I don't know. Don't ask me any more questions. That's what I'm talking about. I wish that he could just come with us. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh... 
Yeah, he wants to go with us too. His spirit. Let's go. Okay. I feel worse than ever now. Ugh. Like my guts are being scraped out from the inside. I don't know. I told you, just don't ask me anything. I don't know anything. I'm sorry you feel that way, Mom. I'm sitting down the grave. <laughs> Sigh. It was horrible when she cried. Is it? Is it feeling like the your mom's reaction is different than than what you had thought it would be? Hearing her cry like that in the back seat, like that's raw shit. I don't know how to do the right thing for her. I thought that taking her to Heart Island was it. Shit in movies is so neat, you know? You go to the grave and you lay the flowers and it fades to black and everybody just feels satisfied and reconciled, but real life isn't like that. Even if you can find the grave, it might not scratch the itch of reconciling that somebody was killed. When I started this whole thing, I thought that this day, taking my mom to say goodbye to Billy, would be the end of the story. But it's clearly not. My mom still feels like there was an injustice against Billy, that he was wrongfully killed. When I was younger, I started making a list a list of questions I would ask the cop who shot Billy if I could ever find him. I thought there was no way I would ever get the chance. I was wrong. Austin, talk to me for a sec. Yes, hello. hello yeah, okay, hello. that's good, that's good. Okay, I'm gonna call Mr. Holy shit. Next week... The Undercover Cop. Crime Town is Zach Stewart Pontier and Mark Smirling. The Ballad of Billy Balls is hosted by me, Io Tillett Wright, and made in partnership with Cadence 13. You can find me on the internet. I'm Io Loves You on Everything. Say hello. And if you want to know more about my story, you can pick up my memoir, Darling Days. We also want to hear from you. We have a voicemail set up for you to call us. Here's Candace. I have this family story that I've always wanted to look into, and 
it involves a sister I don't know, and my mom was forced to give up her child. But I'm terrified to ask my mom more questions because of the emotional impact it might have on her. And I just want to know any advice you might have for breaking the ice. It's sort of always been the thing I've really, really wanted to look into. And I think a lot of people have a similar story. Thanks for that, Candace. You know, my best advice is to just take it really slow and approach it with a lot of compassion and tenderness. And anybody else, if you have a family mystery, solved or unsolved, we'd love to hear about it. Call us and leave us a voicemail at 570-392-9660. Seriously, call right now. You can also get into our discussion forum on our website, theballadofbillyballs.com. The show is produced by me, Kevin Shepard, and Ryan Swikert. Our senior producer is Austin Mitchell. Editing by Zach Stewart-Pontier and Mark Smerling. Fact-checking by Jennifer Blackman. This episode was mixed by Kenny Kusiak. Music and sound design by Kenny Kusiak, too. Our title track is Dark Allies by Light Asylum. Archival research by Brennan Reese. Thanks to Daniela Araya, my fiancé Rachel, Emily Wiedemann, Green Card Pictures, Alessandro Santoro, Bill Clegg, Ben Davis, Oren Rosenbaum, and the team at Cadence 13. And special thanks to Mrs. Calvert at the DOC for honoring love. And of course, my mom, without whom none of this would be possible. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.